We've been, uh, when we started a year ago, God spoke to us very clearly about one of his desires was to breathe life into dry bones from Ezekiel 37. He spoke that to us over and over through other people. In light of that, what I felt God say for this year was that not only life, but a life of freedom. He wants us to live in freedom. And so that's kind of the overall covering of what we're talking about. And then in that, the unshakable kingdom. So we've been talking about a number of kingdom endeavors. I want to actually start with telling you a couple stories this morning, and you'll probably figure out what I'm going to be sharing about, uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I know a couple in the States. They moved from one state to another, and they had some friends who were part of a church, but they had been part of that church's denomination in the past, and they weren't sure they agreed with everything, but they knew their friends, so they went there. And uh, because they were very talented musically, they immediately became part of the worship team and worship leaders. And over a little while, they began to get to know their neighbors where they lived and invited them over. And pretty soon, they had about 12 people in their home every week. And they were sharing the gospel with them, and some of them got saved. And they started going to the church. And the church decided that that group should be a home group of the church. But the problem was that in order to be a home group leader in the church, you had to be a member of the church. So they've called this couple in and they set them down and said, okay, we want your group to be a, a home group of the church, but you have to be members. And they said, look, we really can't. We're aware of the uh, statement of belief of the de denomination because we've been part of this in the past and we can't we don't agree with it. And the pastor said, well, I don't agree with all of it. The guy said, but you say you do when you become a member. So either we have to lie or we can't be members. Well, as a result, they didn't want their, them leading a group. And so they told them they had to stop leading the group because they weren't members. But most of the people weren't part of the church. And they kept coming to their house anyway. And so eventually the leadership team, one of them being their close friend, called them up in front and told them that they were being excommunicated from the church because they were rebellious and refused to be members. Now they had moved from another state. They had two early Two children who were in their early teens, they were 13 and 14, a boy and a girl. And these were the only people they knew. They'd moved. This was their, their friendship group, and they were told, even their kids, you can have nothing to do with them. So even though they went to the same school, none of the, the kids from the youth group that they had been in for over a year would talk to them. Another couple... This is in South Australia. I'm telling you where these are so you know that I'm not talking about anyone here. Another couple in South Australia came to visit the church that we were part of the leadership of. And there was a, a move of God, and they came on Sunday evening. Their church didn't have a Sunday evening meeting. And they'd heard there was something of God, move of God, and so they came. And they were told by the leadership of the church the next week that they couldn't go to that church because it wasn't part of their denomination. And uh, they didn't think too much about it. They went that Sunday evening anyway. 
and the next Sunday they were invited in front of the church and again excommunicated for being rebellious because they went to another church. Some of you can identify with these stories, either personally or through friends. Obviously, a wrong understanding and function of leadership has caused a huge amount of hurt in the body of Christ. I could tell you hundreds of similar stories that Mary and I have had contact with people around the world to the point that at one point I thought only bad people become church leaders. Some of you think, th think that's still the case. There's hope here, guys. To the point that I wanted nothing to do with it. So I want to take a look at kingdom leadership this morning. Not to uncover old wounds, but to bring healing, freedom, and a new model. See, God isn't just about identifying the problems. He's about bringing his truth to set us free. And so that's what we want to take a look at. Matthew chapter 20. Let's pray. We need a lot of prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, we just recognize you're the one who leads us into truth. And so we open our hearts to you as you've spoken already that the tide is turning, that there's something happening, that there's an uh, outpouring of your spirit, that there's life. It's a new day. And so, Father, we just open our hearts to you and say, speak to us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 20 from verse... I'm going to start in verse 20. I said verse 25 for the overhead people, so I'm messing them up. You can just hang on to that. We'll get there. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him, talking about Jesus. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now get the story. These guys want to be Jesus' top guys. So they send their mom. <laughs> Think about it. These are the kind of leaders we want. Wimpy guys who said they're mob. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. They had no clue. He said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to give but it's for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. <laughs> Could you imagine? These guys are trying to sneak in here and, and become the, the Jesus' favorites. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus does this. He contrasts worldly leadership 
when he talks about the, the leaders of the Gentiles, to a Jew, there were Jews and there was everyone else. You were part of God's people or you were part of the Gentiles. So when we talk about the leaders of the Gentiles, he's talking about the world. So he says, the leaders of the world have a certain style, certain concept, and the kingdom is different. That's why we're talking about kingdom leadership, okay? The uh, worldly leadership is to have authority over or control over someone. That's what he says. It's basically a hierarchical model that's uh, illustrated in a big triangle. People at the bottom, smaller numbers of, of leaders, managers, up to whoever is the head. That's how the world functions. We're all aware of that. We're all familiar with that government, business. Uh, many churches function in that model. Having some sort of authority or control over people. If you're the boss, you tell people what to do because you pay the salary or they don't have a job. If you're, when it comes to geopolitical nations, who's got the biggest army? Who has control or authority? That's how the world functions. We all know that. Now some, seeing that's wrong, have decided to flip that triangle upside down. The problem is we're still talking control. It's just someone else is in control. Democracy. Telling the leaders what to do. It's still control and authority. Jesus says that's how the world functions, but the kingdom isn't like that. Not so with you. Kingdom leadership is you have no authority over someone. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is saying, this is how the world functions, this is how the kingdom functions. These guys exercise authority over, not so with you. That needs to set in our hearts because we are saturated in this worldly model. Everything about us is this model. Almost everything we deal with, and that slips into the church, and we have a worldly Model, what about spiritual authority? Now we're stepping on toes. Most of us have heard teaching on spiritual authority. I'm going to talk to you about that just briefly. But it really is nothing other than a religious version of worldly leadership. Many of us been, have been taught spiritual authority, that our leaders have authority over us and we have to submit to them. And as we submit to them, we're submitting to God. And even if they're wrong, God will protect us. And let me tell you, it's just not true. Unfortunately, some of us have experienced that. When, when, I, when things get serious, you guys get really quiet. <laughs> Somebody uh, nod your head or something. That whole spiritual authority concept started with, uh, well, didn't start with, but was, was brought to popularity by a guy named Watchman Nee in the 1970s, wrote a book called Spiritual Authority. 
And uh, if you've read that, you understand he talks about this. And then more recently in the 1990s, a remake of that book by a, a guy named John Bevere called Undercover. And it basically saying, now both of them build their teaching on Romans 13, which is about civil authority. And both of them, if you, if you read closely, totally ignore Matthew 20. Romans 13 is how do we deal with worldly authority? We submit. We have a hard attitude that says we're going to listen, which is really what submit means. Okay? So they've built this whole thing that has become very popular in the church because it's taking this hierarchical structure and it's importing into the church and saying, because I'm a leader, I have an authority given me by God, and you should listen to what I say. And if you don't, God will get you. <laughs> what is it? We're actually trying to control or have authority over people. But the reality is we don't. So we have to convince people we do. <laughs> if I can convince you of something, then you might listen to me. <laughs> what I'm doing right now is convince you you should never listen to me. <laughs> Oh, Luke chapter 10, just as an aside, does talk about spiritual authority. Jesus says this, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We have authority, spiritual authority over demonic powers, not over people. So don't confuse those. So rather than just identify the problem, because anybody can do that. What's the solution? How do you lead people when you have no authority or control? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. The exception to having authority over is if you're a parent. You obviously have authority over your children. And so my wife reminds me that I leave that out all the time. <laughs> How do you lead someone when you have no authority or control? The first thing is recognize a mistaken assumption that most leaders make. And that mistaken assumption is that if I'm a leader, I'm accountable to God for the choices you make. Most leaders believe that because that's what they're taught. James 3.1 says, let not many of you become teachers because you face a stricter uh, judgment or a greater accountability. Hebrews 13.7 says, Submit to the elders, uh, those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. We use the New King James Version here, but that word rule over you is literally lead. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that in more detail maybe later. But the mistaken assumption is that if I'm accountable to God for the choices you make, I better be able to make your choices. Right? If God's going to hold me accountable for what Johan decides to do, then I better have some way of influencing those decisions or I'm going to get in trouble. The mistaken, identity, the mistaken assumption is that God doesn't hold me accountable for Johan's choices. He holds me accountable for what I preach and teach. 
for the counsel I give, I stand before him, am I declaring truth? But I can't make you do something. And as soon as I try and make you do something, I've got out of kingdom leadership and I've got into worldly leadership and I'm trying to control or manipulate or dominate you so that I can make your choices. Unfortunately, many leaders are taught that. And therefore, they teach that people should do that. I'm accountable to God for what I teach and the counsel I give. I can't make your choices. A friend of mine, pastor in America, was talking to a guy who he really respected. He used to lead the NCMI team years ago. And he was explaining the situation. I've got the situation, what do I do? And Dudley Daniel, who was the leader of the team, said, if you do this, this will happen. And if you do this, this will happen. And my friend TK said, yeah, yeah, okay, but what do I do? If you do this, this will happen. And if you do this, this will happen. Yeah, I get it. I understand that. But what, what should I do? If you do this, this will happen. And if you do this, this will happen. See, he was basically saying, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Because if I do, I've taken away your ability to hear God directly. And I've made you hear God secondhand through me. God's leadership is set up in a such a way because he wants intimate relationship with every single one. And every single one of us can hear his voice. There's no secondhand relationship. So, recognizing a mistaken assumption, how do we then lead? We lead by example and influence, not by control or authority. By example, bottom line is this. If I'm a leader, I can't make anyone follow me. Now, we all know that. Because if I start preaching ridiculous heresy, you're all just going to get up and walk out. I'm surprised you came back after last week. No. <laughs> we all know that I have no authority over you. You know that in your heart. You know that in the spirit. And you know that if I start doing stupid stuff, you're just going to leave. Punch you out. <laughs> yeah, or punch me out or something. Talk to Tim. So why then would we ever call someone up in front and excommunicate them? Because it sends a message to everyone else. Be careful what you say and do or this will happen to you. That's the only reason why they do it. Keeps everyone in line. By example and influence, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Paul says, imitate or follow me as I imitate or follow Christ. Basically says, take a good look. Show the way by example. Kingdom leadership is never do what I say, not what I do. If you ever hear that from me, get up and run. 
do what I say, but not what I do. Because I'm trying to have some sort of authority over you, but I'm not actually living it. Bob Mumford taught years ago what I think is a truth. It's not, it's not actually spelled out this way in the Bible, but he said people catch what we have and not what we say we have. If I have mumps, but I tell you I have measles, what are you going to catch? Mumps, not measles. So the idea is if I'm not submitted to God, but I'm telling you you should be submitted to God, you're going to catch what I have, not what I say. If I'm not generous, but I tell you you should be generous in giving, you're going to catch what I have, not what I say. If we're not a generous church, it starts right here. We're part of the team together. We'll talk about that next week. So it starts right here. Blame Tim. I always blame Tim for everything because he's, he's big-hearted. Understand, this is why the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 7, Considering the elders. Considering means take a good look at and then imitate their faith. Take a good look at the leaders because they should be setting an example because you're going to catch what they have. That's why we do an added to the church time where we invite you into our home and we let you ask any questions you want. We want to be transparent because we want you to actually have an opportunity to get to know us. You don't get to know a whole lot with me preaching. Well, probably more than some of you want to know. Uh, But it's different. It's also why the qualifications for leadership in the kingdom are character and not gifting. If you look at the qualifications, they're all, with one exception, all character qualifications. Yet so much of the church we look at just gifting. Are they gifted? Can they play a a guitar? We'll make them a worship leader. We want to know what their character is like. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. As a leader, I recognize that Jesus is your Lord and Master and no one else. You're accountable to him just as I am. So I don't have to worry about trying to make your decisions for you. I can actually teach you how to hear God's voice and encourage you to hear him and obey him and follow him. Because you're accountable to him, not to me. And I'm not accountable for your choices. Do you understand that? Doesn't mean I don't love you. It means I'm accountable to God for preaching truth. Unfortunately, I've had to do some repenting and I'll tell you in just a moment. So if Jesus is the head of the church, which the Bible says he is, then hearing him is the key to kingdom leadership. 
Building on last week's kingdom ministry, it's not based on what we know. It's not based on our knowledge, our experience. It's based on our relationship. If he's the head of the church and he's alive today, then hearing him is the key to kingdom leadership. It's not my education. You don't get qualified for ministry because you've gone to Bible college. You get qualified for ministry because you have relationship with the king and you've learned how to hear his voice and are willing to obey what he says. By the way, did anyone we prayed for your knee, did anyone feel any change? You did. You did. Wonderful. I'm glad to hear that because mine did. I, I was thinking maybe it was just for me. Maybe it was just I didn't want to stand up here with a sore knee. You know, sometimes a word of knowledge one of the ways God expresses a word of knowledge is that you actually feel something. And too often, as we get older, we think that's just us. <laughs> oh, man, my back is hurting today. And God said, no, it's not you, idiot. <laughs> that's for someone else. I, have a, I, I do have a problem in one of my knees, and so... So I'm always careful, uh, is it that knee that's sore? Uh, because it, it's constantly sore. Uh, if Jesus is the head of the church, and he is, then hearing him is the key to kingdom leadership. Not our education, not our experience, not our wisdom. Therefore, Jesus' model for ministry, for leadership, is team. And we're going to talk about that next week. Team. It's not someone at the top of the triangle. It's a team. Because the only one who's in charge is Jesus. And the wonderful thing is that we can all hear his voice. So we'll talk about team Next week. But as I was preparing this, I, and I've been leading up to this point for a number of months now, because I felt God had spoken something to me that, unfortunately, there's been a lot of people who've been hurt by leaders in the church. I meet people, we're part of a team of Ephesians 4, uh, gifts that, that minister into churches, and we've ministered into churches in a number of nations. And I've met people all over who've been hurt. And many, many people say to me, oh, I've been hurt by the church. And I've got to the point where I just will say, hey, I want to apologize. I'm part of the church. Whatever I've done that hurts you, I want to apologize. Will you forgive me? And they say, no, it wasn't you. Bottom line is almost every time it's leadership of some, some kind or another. And I've learned that God wants to bring healing and freedom. Not just undoing the past, but setting in a proper kingdom understanding so we can be part of the solution. You know that someone once said to me that uh, leaders, but I believe it's anyone in kingdom ministry, should always only ever be part of the solution and never part of the problem. When we carry hurt, even if we've been the victim of bad leadership, we become part of the problem 
and not part of the solution unless we get healed, unless we get restored. What I found is that many people who have been hurt by leaders withdraw. They step back and they say, I'm not going to put myself in that place. I'm not going to trust any leader. And there's no way short of hell that God would ever call me to be a leader in the church. And what God wants to do is bring release and healing. So the shackles are taken off. See, what happens is that our hurts can actually shackle us. They become chains that stop us from moving into the thing that God's doing. Moving into the new season and the new tide. In addition to that, well, how do we begin that? Obviously, the first thing is forgiveness. But forgiveness isn't enough. Forgiveness gets us off of the hurt, but it doesn't get, get us into building a new understanding and a new model so that we become part of the solution. I've been amazed at how many people have been hurt by leaders from a hierarchical model. They identify the leader as the problem, they leave, and they go start something else, and they institute a hierarchical model. But now they're the person at the top, so they think it's okay. And then they become the one who becomes the herder. It's not the person, not only bad people get into church leadership. The problem is that hierarchical model breeds insecurity. The guy at the top has got to know everything. So he never lets on that he doesn't. There's no humility, and humility is part of the heart condition for kingdom ministry. That's why Jesus is identifying the world as opposed to the kingdom. But the second part of this is that maybe some of us, rather than being hurt, we've been the ones doing the hurting. We've been part of a wrong leadership model. And we need to repent. See, I was part of that. I used to, the reason I know this stuff, I used to teach a class called Spiritual Authority. Hundreds of people teaching them how they needed to submit to leaders. And God would protect them, even if the leaders did wrong. And I began to see the word, and I went, God, I have actually led people astray for years. Understand, I... I don't think I'm a bad person. I wasn't trying to hurt people. But I set them up to be hurt because I taught them something that was not the truth of the, the word. I thought it was. I taught Watchman Nee's book from Romans 13. Last year, I was in the States. Oh, sorry, two years ago. Talking with a pastor who's not part of uh, partnering with NCMI, but he was telling me about the conference they had gone to. And the whole focus of the conference for all the pastors that relate to this denomination around America was undercover. Teaching leaders that you have to be undercover so that those who are under you will submit to you. If you don't submit, they won't submit. Really good if you're the guy at the top that everyone submits to. You have incredible authority. Incredible power. You know who that person is in the kingdom? It's Jesus. The only one. Why is he the only one? Because he's the smartest, the wisest, and the most loving. 
Why should I trust him and submit to him? Because he's smart enough to know what is good for us, and he's loving enough to choose what is good for us. Let me give you my stock illustration of this. My wife will will love me later because this is her favorite illustration. Pretend that I'm a dentist. Okay? And pretend, you've got to use good imagination here. I am the best dentist the world has ever seen. I am so good. I know where every nerve is in your mouth, and I can do any work on your teeth without any anesthetic because I'm that good. Would you come to me to get dental work? What if you knew that I hated your guts? I know where every nerve in your mouth is. See, knowing what's best isn't enough. It's also choosing what's best. Loving. Okay, now, different, different scenario, but similar. I'm just Russ. I know nothing about dentistry, but I love you. I really do. I want your highest. I love you. Would you come to me to get dental work? I love you. Steve, I love you. I'll, I'll do your dental work. I want what's best for you. No, because loving is not enough. Also have to know what's best. Who knows what's best? Jesus. Who always chooses our highest? Loving Jesus. Keep that in mind when you go to someone for counsel. Just because they love you doesn't mean their counsel is wise. Might make you feel good, but they might pull all the teeth out of your mouth. (laughs) Would you uh, do me a favor and just bow your head? We want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So I've learned over the years that we, if we don't take time to respond to God when he's speaking to us, that we often get busy and the word gets choked out by the cares of the world. We start worrying about lunch and dinner and meeting someone and doing this and pretty soon a week goes by and we've never responded. So I want to make it a habit that we have when we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, not what Russ is saying, but we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. If he's speaking something to you, will you respond to him? If you've been hurt and haven't extended forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you agree. It just means that you release people from your judgment. Someone once said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Unforgiveness doesn't affect them. It eats you up. And so there's something in the Bible about releasing people. That doesn't mean we're restored to relationship. There's another thing about uh, forgiveness that is forgiveness and repentance. When people repent, we forgive. That's a restoring of relationship. Too often we think if I forgive them, then I have to pretend like nothing ever happened. But they haven't repented. And that's just not biblical. 
You don't have to treat them as if nothing happened. You don't have to trust them again because you've released them from your judgment. It is simply setting you free that you can follow God. If you've been hurt and you haven't done that, I'm going to ask you to just respond to the Holy Spirit right now and say, God, I do. I've released forgiveness. And then say, Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me into a kingdom understanding of leadership. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And if you've been in a position of leadership that was built on hierarchical model, I can tell you that people have been hurt under that model. Whether you intended it or not, it's happened. We ask you just to repent. Say, God, I realize that I represented worldly leadership and not kingdom leadership. I just ask that you would forgive me. And then I ask that you would do something supernatural and that you would redeem people that I taught untruth to. If I have no relationship with them, if they live in another country, that you would pursue them with your love and bring truth. That you would bring restoration. We want to move forward into a kingdom model that brings freedom, that brings life, that brings a kingdom of priests, that brings people released in ministry. We want to move forward in a kingdom model, not a worldly model. And so, Lord, we just say, all of us as a church, we want to be built your way. We want to be built on your truth. And, Lord, where we've had other things, where we've had other understandings and other teaching, we just set those aside now and we say, teach us again. Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? Again, as we're dismissed, we have coffee and tea. Love some time for fellowship. But if you'd like someone to pray with you, there's always people here in the front, whether it's for healing or for uh, something, healing in your emotions or hurts. There'd be some people here who'd love to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus, the greatest thing is meeting him. And we would love to introduce you to him. All this probably doesn't make any sense if you don't know him. Because he's the head of the kingdom. He's the one who pursues us in his love, draws us to himself, and then brings healing and restoration. So if you don't know him, I would love to, to talk to you. Come and talk to me after we're dismissed. Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the words. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for your word and all that you do. And thank you that it's actually healing taking place. Now empower us for this week by your grace. Lord, we lean into your grace and rejoice. Fill us full of joy for being in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.